Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Excited to be talking to you today. I got an interview for you that's going to be straight fire. You know, every once in a while, I'll run across a story of someone who's doing incredible things, who has that fire in their belly, a little motivational, a little inspirational, kind of kick you in the butt, kind of have that that little edge. And I love talking to people like that. I love trying to connect and be friends with people like that. And uh, my guest today is no exception to that. His name is Jeffrey Blackman. He has a cleaning company in the Houston, Texas market. And he's got an interesting story. Um, he, he describes himself as a man of God first, a family man, a motivator to all who cross his path, an elite businessman, a confidant and mentor to many. Uh, that's what embodies Mr. Jeffrey Blackman. His mission in life is to be transparent and utilizing God's principles within his company. And I saw a Facebook video that got me fired up, which is why I reached out to you, Jeff. Uh, how you doing, my friend? Thanks for coming on. Doing great. Doing great, my man. Doing great. Uh, just an honor and a pleasure to even uh, you to consider uh, even giving me a chance to interview. Man, I'll tell you what. You know, sometimes... People are just natural born leaders or they're magnetic or they're, they're they're anointed like you got something going on about you and which is why I reached out so if you could just take a few minutes tell us a, maybe a little bit about your company how long you've been in business and then tell us your story tell us your entrepreneurial life whatever you want just tell us about yourself Jeff okay let me tell you a little bit I want to start a little bit about uh, <clears throat> growing up as a young man raised in a uh, home uh, watching my mother and father go through a divorce at a young age and uh, pretty much at that time you know life well that was a defining moment in my life you know uh, watching my mother and father split at a young age but I was always brought up brought up around entrepreneur uh, business and different things like that I watched my mother uh, she started a Hachimata business and uh, doing the little crochet things for the, uh, to hang plants in. And I watched my mother even do day's work. She would get off on her off days from a regular job and she would go wash and or iron clothes for 50 cents a shirt or a dollar for pants. And I also watched my daddy take a, uh, a mop in a bucket and, and build a, uh, <clears throat> a million dollar company, a uh, janitorial company. So that time in life, you know, once that had happened, my mother and father split kind of, led me down to a road of destruction, you know, and I, you know, we all held accountable for our own choices, you know, so I made a choice at a young age. I dropped out of school and I didn't have no, a high school education and I never did go back to uh, high school. So I started to get involved in different things in the street, got involved in things like being into gang related and uh, went from being the gang related to one day my mother woke up and uh, saw me on the five o'clock news on America Most Wanted. And, you know, uh, being shot at uh, numerous of times, survived that. And, you know, uh, think about in the uh, year of 2006 was one of the most devastating times in my life. I found myself uh, homeless, sleeping under a bridge in New Orleans, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, it was kind of devastating to me that uh, at that time, you know, you know, like they say, when you know better, you do better. 
And uh, at that time, it was another defining moment in my life that uh, I was sleeping under a bridge, homeless in New Orleans, Louisiana, brushing my teeth and washing my face and, and pretty much taking a bath with the same bottle of water. And at that time, you know, I could hear my mother's voice in the back of my head saying, Jeffrey, you know, I didn't uh, raise you that way. You're better than that. And so, you know, my journey begins. Uh, I get in the car with some people from New, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, journey to uh, to Houston, Texas, not knowing that it was a setup to uh, get me to where where God was trying to take me to in life. So I get in the car with uh, some guys that I didn't know when they was going to a house to do a, tr- a drug transaction. And we got in that house. And at that time, uh, they pulled guns on us and stuff like that. And, and I survived that. And I got on the phone. I can remember it like it was uh, yesterday, Josh. And uh, I called my sister because I already had a sister here. And, uh, and I called her and I asked her, I said, can I come stay with you? Because I'm coming to serve the Lord for the rest of my days. And at that time, I began to learn um, going to my sister, introduced me to Christ, and, you know, I gave my life to Christ. And uh, I began to study the Word of God, and I began to see things in the Word of God, you know, like in the book of Luke chapter 18, when it says that if any man sits down to build a tower, let him first to sit down and count the cost to see if he have enough sufficiency to finish it. But then it says that he went on to build, but he wasn't able to finish, and they began the people begin to mock him. Then I saw another scripture. I'm not going to preach, just saying, sharing a little. So and I saw another scripture in there when it says that God is a man that he will not be mocked. And at that point, I said, you know, I wanted to build a successful business because I never had a desire to work for anybody else. But at that time, I didn't start the business right at that time, Josh. What I did, I, be, I went to work uh, holding a flag on the side of the road. But at that time, I was standing on the side of the road. I would hold that flag to direct traffic. But when I got off of that job, I would come in my house, in my sister's home, and I would sit down and I would study the Bible. And I would begin to see my way. I, I, could, I could see the, the light on the other side of the tunnel. But, you know, I was making preparations because I knew promotion was going to come. But at that time, I could, I, I could just keep continuing to hold the flag. And I got a promotion there uh, Another lady that I was going to church with, she said, hey, Jeffrey, you know, um, you're getting a little dark out there on side of the road holding, holding that sign. I work in the office. Have you ever worked in the office before? I said, no, nah, but uh, I'm willing to learn. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fast learner. So, But I never, I never allowed that to stop me from working on my own business. And at that time, I could remember, like it was yesterday, um, a guy walked up to me into the warehouse, and I was talking to me and a guy named Kenny White, and I told him I was getting ready to uh, – to start my own business. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, man, you know, I'm going to wash cars. He said, wash cars. And he said, how are you going to make money? Wash cars. I said, I'm going to go up by my wife's hair salon. At the time, my wife had, had, a, had, had a hair salon. So I would go up on the weekends and I would wash cars there, Josh. And I would, I began to make that money. I made something like, I think it was like about $1,600 and I saved it up. And we had this thing at my church, what was called motivational giving. And the Lord said, I want you to take every quarter that you made washing those cars, and I want you to sow it into this ministry for your business. And I sowed that seed that day, and that was the turning point, and that was one of the keys to my success. When I sowed that seed, my phone rung the very next week from a company called WCA. It was a waste company. They wanted to have 72 trucks washed every weekend. And at that time, because of that seed, the phone rung. And that, that allowed me to secure that contract. But watch this. I didn't even have a trailer at that time. 
And I was in Bible college at the time as well. So, you know, and I would always hear my, my, my man of God say that God is going to raise somebody up. He's going to use his power, his ability, and his influence to help you. So I can never forget it. It was a guy named Gus Roberts. He called me on a Sunday. He said, hey, man, you go and go to Bible study because God has great things to do for you, man, because he's calling you to another level in life. And I'm going to build this trailer for you. So I get out of Bible, uh, Bible college that Sunday night and walk over there. Lo and behold, man, this guy had this trailer built and everything is working. And the very next weekend, I had to go and wash these trucks, but I didn't have nobody to help me. So this guy even took the time out of his business schedule, went out and helped me wash the trucks. And not only did he help me secure the contracts, but that guy later became one of my mentors. And that guy pulled so much into me about business to where, I mean, it couldn't do nothing but lead to great success, Josh. Mm, what an incredible, <laughs> I, I have like notes of 17 different things I want to ask you. Uh, how old were you when you started getting into doing things in the street? And it, were you talking to your father at that time? You said that he had built a, a large company and you kind of went the other direction and rebelled and were getting into gang stuff or drugs or whatever. Um, what was the time frame between then and when you wound up going back to Texas to be with your sister? How much time had transpired? Well, at the age of, uh, it was 50, I was 15 years old when my mother and daddy had split. And, uh, I didn't, I really, I talked to my daddy, but I had built this, this, this place of bitterness in, in my heart for my daddy, Josh. And, uh, because, you know, kind of being a mother's boy, you know, I, I would, I would hear my mother come in from work at nighttime and, uh, and she would come in. And at that time, Josh, what's so, so good, amazing about the story was that my mother was a single parent and I knew what she was doing at the time wasn't right. I would watch my mother come from work with newspaper in the bottom of her purse. She had stole meat from, from her job with blood, ground, ground beef and chicken and stuff with blood in the bottom of her purse. And at that time, I would hear my mother, and, and, and we didn't even have a refrigerator, a refrigerator at the time. We were living out of an ice chest. I can remember as a little boy at that age of 15 years old when my mother would bring that meat, I would walk to the store and get two bags of ice, and literally one bag would be almost melted by the time I get back home. And at that time, I, I built up this bitterness uh, uh, towards my daddy, and I said I had to do something. I can remember at the age of, it was about, that went on for like about six months. And I had some young guys that I grew up with in, 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 the, in the neighborhood, so-called what they call the hood today. And uh, so I, I would go on the corner and I would see them making different transactions. And I asked them one day, I said, man, what are y'all doing? And one of these guys, I never forget his name, was uh, Lester Ray Buckner. He told me, he said, man, this ain't for you. He said, man, you special. And at the time, I didn't you know, think nothing of it. I'm like, man, look, I don't want to hear that. I got to do something to help my mother. So at that time, I began to... Uh, and at that time, keep in mind that my mother was a woman of faith as well. So, so at that time, I would, I would go out and make transactions, and I began to slip little money into my mother's drawer, her, her, her drawer. And she pulled it out one day, and she pulled the money out. She took it, and she tore it up. And she told me, looked in my eyes, she said, Jeffrey, dirty money is not welcome in this house. Ooh. The Lord will provide for us. Ooh. But I'm watching this at the time, but I'm watching her do something that was illegal, but that was the sacrifice that my mother was willing to take because of her love for her kids. So that went on. And then Josh, I began to in and out of jail, you know, going back and forth to jail on different things. You know, I got a drug charge and, uh, I never forget. I went to federal court, federal court back in, uh, 2000 or uh, 2003. 
It was 2003. I was on, on, tri- on trial. I was facing anywhere from 10 to 25 years in prison for, uh, 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 for uh, money laundering and all sorts of things, drugs and different things like that. And uh, my sister called me before I went to court. Somehow she prayed with me on the phone. And she told me it was a scripture in Job says that, you know, even because of you are guilty, but God would deliver you because of the puritaness and the innocence of my hands. So she began to pray with me and I went in and called a recess because the judge said, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. So I went back into the courtroom after lunch and they went back in and the judge looked at me and told me, get out of this courtroom. I don't never want to see you again. And that went on, you know, I escaped that. Then I went down to, uh, back home I began to get back into drugs again and that was like around the age of uh 18 18 and between 18 and 20 years old I, that went on so I ended up getting married and bringing a young a, a young son into the world and uh there it was I started working at a a, a place called Ryder Truck Rental that's the first job I had when I I think my first job child had was when I was like 26 years old because I was codependent on the streets and that's all I ever knew in my life and at that point I, I, you know, I went back to the streets because I had to find some kind of way to provide for my, for my son. And lo and behold, I get in trouble again. And I escaped that. And me and my first wife, we ended up uh, getting divorced. And uh, I went on to doing a lot of mischievous things. And at that point, at the age of 20, 20, 27 years old, I think it was like a five year point between, I'm not exact, but I ended up being homeless under the bridge in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I kind of seen, you know, and when being there, you know, this could be pretty devastating to anybody, pretty like in business today. It could be devastating to anybody from going to having everything to not having anything. Mm. Man, I tell you, this this is powerful. This goes deeper <laughs> than I even realized. And it's just mind-boggling to to see what you're doing now and who you are right now. When, you know, less than two decades ago, everything was completely different. One of my personal business heroes and mentors is a guy from Australia named Peter J. Daniels. And he has some old YouTube videos. He's a real old guy now, but he was completely illiterate uh, at 25 years old, had no education. And he got saved at like a Billy Graham crusade or something. And uh, he realized that he was the, the child of a king. And the thing in his mind was like... Oh, he took it very literally. He said, if I'm the child of a king, I can do anything. He ended up becoming like a billionaire, but he couldn't even read until he was 25. And he started grabbing dictionaries and reading them. And he was so motivated. He had this fire in his belly. And it sounds like uh, for you, you finally hit rock bottom and you started to get this fire in your belly. You had people pouring into your life. And so even though your dad, to be clear, um, had a business and had a million dollar business. He he didn't pour into you because you had you didn't talk to him. But then after you're in your late twenties, you had some business mentors start kind of coaching you and helping you. Uh, take us kind of from from there forward, and what kind of impact that had on your life. Okay, I ran into um, at that time. Um, I never forget. I went to the UAMCC uh, power washing um, convention and uh, the first one and. Uh, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I walked in and kind of hobo style there. When I say that, you know, I went half on the room with a guy. I didn't even have enough money to get there, you know, after, you know, in business, sowing a seed and doing things. And I was just at the beginning stage of my business. So I got there and I'll never forget. I met this guy out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, he owns a company called Dr. Powerwash. His name was uh, Alan, Alan Drummer. 
And we were sitting in the back of the class and he asked me, what is it that I do? At first, I was kind of embarrassed to say what did I was doing, you know, because I'm going to a power washing convention. And I'm seeing that I was the only one in the class that was washing cars at that time. And he asked me a question, Josh. He said, Jeffrey, he said, would you rather make $25 an hour or $125 an hour? You know, of course, that wasn't a question. And then I, would, I said, yeah, I would do that. He said, he said, I tell you what. If you would come down to Dallas when we get back, I have a mobile home behind my shop. You can sleep in my mobile home, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go out with my guys and uh, train you what to do, show you what to do and how to do it. And uh, this time, it, you know, he was washing a lot of major franchises. This guy, was I mean, he was doing what I was dreaming of doing. And uh, so I went down. I spent a couple of days down there. You know, he fed me and uh, made sure I had a place to stay and sent me out with his crews. Not only that, when I got when when I was time for me to go back, he gave me a, another another unit. And uh, so, but not only did he do that, he helped me secure my first contract, which was uh, through some uh, real estate companies. And I was doing a lot of shopping centers. But he told me one thing. He said, Jeffrey. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have to do something that you don't like to do. And it's a lot of businessmen really don't like to do it, but they have to do it. And I said, Alan, what is that? And the advice that he gave me was, he said, Jeffrey, you're going to have to read. And I told him kind of pretty much like, you know, you say one of your mentors said, well, I didn't know how to read, but I knew how to read the Bible. So I kept, you know, reading in the Bible. And, and it's kind of funny because I, 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 I began to read books on different things like slavery or one of the greatest of all times, Napoleon Hill. And uh, one of the stories that stuck out to me about what Napoleon Hill wrote was that when he began to say uh, a young lawyer wanted to cross-examine Thomas Edison because he said that Thomas Edison was an ignorant man. And no doubt, no doubt he put Thomas Edison on the stand. You, you pretty much know the story. I uh, read it before. And uh, it's in the book, Think and Grow Rich. And uh, Yeah, no, I actually don't remember that. I've read the book, Think and Grow Rich, but it's been many years ago. Go ahead and what happened? Yeah. So, so there's a lawyer so cross-examining Thomas cross-examining Edison? <laughs> of, um, Thomas Edison. And he began to put him on the stage, and he wanted to show New York Times that Thomas Edison was an ignorant man. And he proved his point, Josh. He got his point across. As the young lawyer began to turn around and walk off, Thomas Edison stood up and said, hey, can I present something to you? And the young lawyer stopped. He says that I have a desk and up under my desk, I have a button of many colors and I can push any one of these buttons at any given time. And a man will come running to give me the knowledge that I need about that present time. And what I pulled from that story was, Josh, in business, that you don't have to know how to do something long as you are connected to someone that knows how to do it. Kind of like a subcontractor, you know, and that's what I pulled from it that was that I can build a successful company and I can build this extensive amount of wealth with doing things that I don't even know how to do. Because at that point, I learned that I can use the mind of somebody else to accumulate my wealth. So, that you know, I powerful. kept going on, on those journeys and I began to read books. And uh, one of the greatest books that I read was uh, it was a slavery book. And I began to read about Frederick Douglass. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, Frederick Douglass was uh, considered as an ignorant man, too. You know, he worked on the plantation. And uh, I began to read his story and I began to see that, you know, Frederick Douglass began was the first slave to uh, escape the plantation. But not only did he escape the plantation, he became creative. And as he he got to the train and the conductor gave him a, a, a ride, knowing that he was a slave at that present time. So once he got off of it, he came into 
contact with another guy, a Caucasian man by the name of William Lloyd Garrison. And William, William Lloyd Garrison said, okay, at this time, he wasn't even supposed to help Frederick Douglass learn how to read. But he said, I'm going to take a chance. And he took Frederick Douglass into the library, and he begins to teach him how to study on the Constitution. And once Frederick Douglass began to learn the Constitution, not only did he learn the Constitution, he learned the things that Abraham Lincoln liked. He knew that one of Abraham's favorite fruits was an apple. And man, you know, when I began to read the story, I see how he, he polished the apples. And he went in and he presented them to, um, to uh, 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 Abraham Lincoln. Not only did he present them to him, he gave him something that he liked, but he he, he he gave him that he's educated enough to, to get him in to sign, which was the Emancipation of Proclamation. Well, why did I tell you that story, Josh? Because my dream is one day to become a Frederick Douglass in my generation, and a Frederick Douglass that can reach back and, and get not just one color, but all different nationalities to let them know that, hey, man, God is a provider. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror because you see cold days and snow on the ground. Don't give up. Your yes is out there. No may mean no at Burger King, but your yes could very well be at McDonald's. If you're going to go, if you're going to travel this road of success, you're going to face some hardships. You're going to face some disappointments. Some people that you think that are really connected to you are going to leave your life because everybody is not designed to where God is trying to take you to, Josh. Mm-hmm. And that's what one of my, 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 my main my things is, is to, in my generation, to become like Frederick Douglass was, go back into, in, in the communities and get the bruised, the battle, and the broken, those that have been forgotten about. Wow. I don't even, I have a couple things I wanted to, to bring up. Uh, just very powerful. Just, I, let me ask you a question from your perspective, Jeff. Um, you know, a lot of guys are out there struggling with their business. A lot of people that listen to this show, um, a lot of them have seven-figure businesses. A lot of them just started a business a month ago. There's a pretty diverse group. But when I talk to people, I've actually coached over a 1,000 small businesses myself and done business consulting. And uh, not everybody's the same in terms of like their ability to have, I don't know if it's the belief or like the fire in their belly that you have. Yes, there's hardships or struggles. You're very motivated, but I know that things didn't come easy to you. Um, what do you think the biggest difference is between the guys that push through and actually accomplish their dream and their vision for their, their life and their, and their family and their business and people that just stay stuck and they make excuses and they have a victim mentality? I'm sure you've run across that. You know, how, why don't you have that? Why do some other people have it? What's, what's the solution from your perspective? Well, I, I think I can I can sum it up in a short answer, Josh. Is that uh, like I said one time I, I didn't like to read, but uh, I began to to read. And one of a, one of the greatest writers of all time, uh, Maya Angelou, she made a statement to a young preacher by the name of Miles Monroe, and he asked her. He said, uh, "What advice would you give a young man growing up in today's society?" And her answer was to, was to him was that. You have to believe in the dark what God has told you in the light. Because you see dark times in life or in your business, it doesn't mean that it is over. Sometimes the dark times are the beginning of a thing. That's where we find all our wisdom and our courage. That's where our most creative moments are creative in dark times. And uh, Napoleon Hill says, says something, too that, you know, a man haven't quit until he have quit in his mind. Long as you can still think it, you can achieve it. 
I agree, man. <laughs> My friend, I told you before I hit record that I have a friend named Myron Golden who I wanted to connect you with. But he teaches this amazing uh, thing. And he talks about how whenever you're anointed to do something, and for everybody that, that thinks we're having church right now, let me break it down to the non-church people too. But when you have an epiphany that you were meant for greatness, you know that you know that you know in your guts, I'm different. I'm There's something different about me. I, I, I'm going to live a bigger life, a different type of life. Uh, I would call that, you know, you're anointed for something, right? Like God has called you for something. But uh, regardless, so you have the anointing. That's when you know in your heart that you're meant for big things. But then uh, in the future, there's an appointment where you're appointed, meaning you step into that thing. So for me, my life goal is to give away $100 million to widows, orphans, and Christian missionaries and to use business uh, to do that. That's my life goal. That's the fire in my belly, right? You know, that's not going to happen in a week. <laughs> it's not going to happen in a decade. It's going to take a really long time. But what happens is when you hit, when you know that you're called to something, which is your anointing, and then, then in the future, there's going to be this appointing. In the middle of all that, Myron calls it the season of disappointing. So, you know, when you when you lift weights, when you want to grow your muscle, you have to tear your muscle apart so that it can grow. You know, for a seed to become a tree, the seed has to die. It has to stop being a seed. It has to fundamentally transform. Like, and this principle is in, in nature. It's everywhere. Like, you have to do hard things. You have to do the things you're scared of. And I love your analogy of, you know, you have to believe what God said in the light, even when it's dark. Um, it's just a, it's a principle. It's a principle. I think yeah. you're totally right. And so, I, again, I think it's belief. I don't think that they believe that they're meant for greatness in the first place, maybe. What do you think? Is that the problem? Well, I think I think it has a lot a lot to do with that. That On that note, Josh, would be that people don't begin, to, they, they, they begin to shy away from their beliefs because of disbelief. And sometimes I think that comes from a place of insecurity. Uh, uh, and when I say insecurity, that you know, uh, growing up as a generational thing, your father wasn't nothing. You'll never be nothing. Your father never had nothing. You'll never had nothing. Your father never knew how to read. You'll never knew how to read. And I think that has a lot to do with your environment, the type of people that you surround yourself with. It's kind of like you know, uh, I heard a, 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 a man said one time that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> because you always want to be in a room where you constantly putting and learning from somebody. It's not a day, Josh, that I don't get up and uh, not uh, asking God to put me in the path of somebody that can show me something or I can show them something. And to pick it back on what you said, that it is a process, you know, because the Bible does talk about first the blade, the ear, then the blade, then the whole corn. So it's a process that's, that's, that's going through. It's kind of like when dating, you know, you're dating this girl, you know, in the beginning of the time, you know, y'all may go out just dating, you know, and she'll tell you just certain things about her. So more, the more you get to know her, the more she begins to tell you about herself. And, you know, it moves to the intimate stage. From the intimate stage to the marriage stage, then you begin, she begins to uncover herself and tell you things about secrets to her about her. You know, that's what God says. He says that I no longer call you my servant. I now call you my friend. And my friend, I show it all things. And I think that... The key to, to that, Josh, is that you have to surround your, your, yourself with people with pressures like faith or, 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 or in the same mindset with you. And that will change your disbelief into belief because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we have a part, too. We just got to trust the process. You know, and uh, I'll say this and I'll shut up. It's kind of like, you know, uh, 
growing up as a little boy, we all had bicycles. And, uh, you know, it was a time that on the bicycle, we would have a flat. And we would go in, we'd get creative, we'd take, we'd take the wheel off, we'd pull the inner tube off, we'd put a patch on it, we'd put it back on, and then we'll take the air pump and we'll attach the air pump to the tube. The air pump starts off fast, it starts off fast, kind of like vision, starts off fast. But in the middle of the process, Josh, it begins to get hard. And when it begins to get hard, the tide begins to rise. So what am I saying? I'm saying that when the process is beginning to get hard, that is just a time that God is getting ready to elevate you. Amen to that. I, I it's just self-evident to me because I've I've done this. You know, I've I've built and sold several companies, and I'm building other ones. And so, like, I get it. And my heart, Jeff, is to help the people listening to this to believe that they can literally do whatever it is that they're trying to do. It's real. It's literally real, you know, and uh, it does start with belief, and it's always hard. The, another analogy I like that maybe you'll like is an airplane taking off. You know, it takes a, a huge percentage of the total fuel on board of the airplane just to get one foot off the ground. It's an wow. enormous effort just to get one foot off the ground. Once it's in the jet stream, it's at 30,000 feet and it's cruising, it's actually pretty fuel efficient. But getting something off the ground is hard. And what people do is they, they go down the runway and the tip of the nose, uh, the, the tip of the plane will lift up, but the back wheels won't quite come off the ground. And then they'll stop and then they'll do it again and they'll do it again. And then they can either be a victim and say, oh, well, you know, the society screwed me over. The government screwed me over. The, the market where my business is is screwing me over. It's impossible, right? Or they'll feel like something's wrong with them. Uh, but re- the reality is, is that they're just giving up too quick. They haven't pushed through hard enough, right? Right while it's hard is when you push that extra little bit. And, uh, you know, thank God for people like you to share your story with so many people. If we could, because I want to respect your time, I want to talk about one more thing. Um, I want to talk about race, if you're actually comfortable with that. Uh, oh, I didn't yeah, intend fine. on talking about it, but you you mentioned a few different times a couple things. You're talking about slavery and stuff. And uh, last year, I meant to do a podcast series talking about race. Um, my story, I'm a white guy in Michigan. I was born in Flint, Michigan, which is a really urban area and stuff. And our business was 20 minutes south of there and kind of a fancy pants mostly white lake area where all these rich people live on lakes. And uh, for me, I had my company going. We Towards the end of my company, we had about 25 employees. When we were at around 15 or 16 employees, I hired uh, a black guy named Josh. And when I, we didn't have a lot of black people that lived in the town where my service operated, but he came in for an interview and the guy was a total rock star. And I guess I was just naive, right? So I hire him and the guy's a rock star. He's a veteran. He, we became really good friends. He would train MMA with me uh, at night for fun. But I started sending him out to customers' homes, and we had some issues. Like, there was actual, like, <laughs> racism happening. Not a lot, but it was happening. And it, it made me really angry, and I was confused, and my naivety was exposed, and all this stuff. And so that experience for me made me ask the question on this podcast a while back, like, how big of a factor is this uh, today? Like, with home services, you're going into people's homes. What is it like? Is there a real difference? Because I'm of the opinion that everybody needs to take personal responsibility for themselves. We all have equal opportunity. But I'm also aware that there's real things out there like this. So as a black man building a business, what is your perspective on, on all of that? Are people too sensitive about it and they make excuses and, and like blame their lack of success on it or is it really valid? What are your thoughts? Well, 
I think as uh, being a, a black business owner, you know, uh, one time I have a, a white guy by the name of Larry. He strikes for me. And uh, not Larry, Bobby, my bad, Bobby. So, you know, we I went out to bid a job one day and uh, it was kind of like, you know, uh, thank you. We don't we don't need it done right now. So so what we did. We sent Bobby back out. And Bobby went back out and bid the job he wanted to bid. But they didn't know it was for the same company. So jeez. Oh, so oh, what man. we did we didn't we didn't we didn't do it on it intentionally, but we didn't do the job. We was trying to make a statement that we we're both providing the same service. But on that note, Josh, you know, uh growing up, one of my best friends uh was a white guy by the name of Larry Fugler. I can remember when uh they had these shirts come out way back. They was called Panama Jack shirts, and they was like the Michael Jackson shirts. And at that time, I couldn't afford one. And Larry would actually bring me one of his shirts to wear and give them to me. And uh, in today's society, I mean, you know, I, I stay focused pretty much on when it comes to racism. I, I, I feed my mind with the uh, the word of God because it says that you know no no Greek no Jew uh, or, or no or none. I mean God doesn't see a color. And today here in the Houston area, I can go on and name a a few of the great guys in the industry that uh the great Doug Rucker. Me and Doug works together side by side on many projects here in Houston. We on a, on a day to day basis, and Doug has been like a father to me. Uh, couple of years ago, you know, I lost my son. You know, I don't mean to bring this up. I lost my son to, uh, my son got, got, got murdered. And uh, it was a difficult time in, in my business, you know. I didn't know where I was going to turn to. And uh, it was Doug that came in and uh, he picked up the pieces and he, he walked me through it and he, and he helped me, you know, Yaron Musgraves or Carlos Gonzalez. You know, Carlos Gonzalez was the first one to give me a book at the first, at the UAMCC conference and all. Uh, and wrote in the book, he said that Jeffrey, you're gonna do big things, and uh, I still reach out to him now, you know. And uh, but for as that, you know, I, I never really have a problem with that because, I mean, I'm just who I am, and and and, and a lot of a lot of a lot of people are are drawn to me because of my spirit, and and I'm not saying it like that. It's the spirit of God that's in me, and you know, people know the difference between genuine people. And people that are are in it for uh, what's in it just for me. And uh, but pretty much in that area, I mean, ninety percent of my clients are Caucasian. And I mean, from that day when we did that, going to home, we never have a problem going to homes. You know, they welcome us in. I mean, it has people have me to come inside the homes when they're. When their relatives are not there, I said, no, man, we're not going to come in. We got water or whatever because, I mean, that's, that's the kind of company we run. We're not going to overstep our boundaries. But for that, you know, we never really, really, really experienced that in our business, and I thank God for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I, it's a really interesting topic, and when I brought it up, a long time ago, I got a ton, a ton of emails from all different perspectives. And I ever, I never actually circled back and, and made a specific series of podcasts about that. But I just think you're fascinating. Uh, maybe to end out the show, tell us a little bit about how your how well your business is doing today and what the plans are uh, for the future. Well, right now we are, we are six employees strong and we're doing great. And, uh, 
We are constantly picking up contracts on a day-to-day basis, and uh, we're pretty much hitting some of the marks that we uh, want to do. And so my goal this year in 2019 is that uh, I'm going to scale back a little bit from the power washing because I raised up, you know, I've been training my help. Another guy named Federo Thompson, uh, we kind of collaborate on a lot of things with primetime power washing. So he's going to pretty much focus on the power washing side, and I'm going to get back more and focusing on the striping side of the business and get out and doing a lot of different marketing because I love to sell. That's one of my gifts because I got the gift of gap, you know, talking. And, I mean, it's more to me, uh, I think that, in 2019, too, is getting back in into marketing, but it gives me an opportunity to meet new people, and not only meet new people, it's giving me an opportunity to introduce them to Christ, you know, and and, and at the main, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, Josh, that's the main focus is uh, keeping uh, Christ first in my life, and I know that if I can keep God first in my life and in my business, you know, it's impossible for me to fail, because I know that in 2019 we're going to do some we're going to do some great things you know for as we're starting our new clothing line which is called new you fitness and uh we're focusing on more of the the health side some of the guys when we get off in the evening time we work out together you know and uh we're launching that and we're also getting ready to start a a, 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 as you know a a talk show is going to be called the new you fitness ministry and we're going to basically, you know, leading people about their health. You know, you know, what good is it for a man to profit the world, but he loses his soul? You know, I want to be around and teach you, you know, how to eat healthy, not only eat healthy, but to, 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 to be, you know, have a long life, to look good, but be feeling good as well. Awesome. So, so cool. Is there, is there a particular way people could reach out to you if they wanted to connect or anything? Is Facebook the best way? What do, what do you think? Yeah, you can follow me on, on, on Facebook. Uh, I have a business page, Mr. Shine Power Washington. Also, on, on Facebook, I'm known by Jeffrey Blackman. And on Instagram, you can uh, follow me through Jeffrey Blackman as well. And uh, I'm every day, I'm, one thing I do, I practice every morning I get up. I, I'm, I'm, my main goal is to empower and, uh, and put out inspiration stuff. To you know, I'm kind of like, if I can't tell you nothing positive, I'd rather not tell you nothing at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Jeffrey. You have a fascinating story, man. You've been at the lowest of lows and you're just crushing it right now and you're helping people. And I know a lot of people are following you and you're inspiring and impacting other people, which is the best part of all, really, if we're honest, is helping other people. And I appreciate you, my friend. If you have any final words of encouragement to that person that's struggling out there and you want to kick them in the butt a little bit, give them a little fire. Uh, why don't you close the show out with uh, some closing thoughts to that kind of person? Okay. Hey, to that person out there that's listening to this broadcast right now, you know, hey, man, I know that it may be snow on the ground. I know it may be raining. I know you may be going through hard times. It's the holiday season coming up right now. You know that a lot of people around this time, they get indebted through credit cards and different things like that, man. I'll tell you one thing. If you just hold your head up and you keep your faith in your belief system right with God, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you, man. Don't throw in the towel. If you have to scale back on your business a little bit, scale back on your business a little bit, but don't throw in the towel. And I want to encourage you, man, hold your head up. And this last word I'm going to leave with you, you will win if you don't quit. 
Just keep going. Keep chopping wood, Jeff. That's what I always tell people. Keep chopping wood, my friends. (laughs) Thank you for your time, Jeff. And thank you, Quick Talk World. Sorry there's been a delay on some of the podcast episodes. We're getting back into the groove, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this one and some of the other episodes we have coming out. Don't forget to share these with people because it doesn't do any good if you're the only person that hears it. Don't be an information hoarder. Don't be selfish and greedy with this inspirational amazingness. Uh, Share it. Post it in Facebook groups. Post it in forums send it to your friends. That helps us get the word out. Thank you again, Jeff. Hope you have a great day, my friend. Thanks too, my brother. God bless you, man. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.